Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. My name is John Pronich, and I am your host. And on today's episode, I have Terry Ransbury. Terry will be the first person to admit that he's just a normal guy who's had some extraordinary experiences in the world of soccer. Now, some of those experiences include private wine tasting in the vineyards of South America with Ruben Sosa, direct connections to FC Barcelona through Alex Eastern and Mark Segarra, strong relationships with Ricardo Lansaldi, who is a member of the board of directors at Newell's Old Boys, and that's Messi's first club for those of you guys who aren't familiar, and probably most important to the content that is in this podcast is a business partnership with John Kerr. And John Kerr is the Duke men's head coach and quite possibly one of the most connected men or connected men in United States soccer. Um, but that list of uh, extraordinary experiences and relationships and friendships could go on and on and on for Terry. And he, he, like I said, he's the first to tell you that he is a pretty lucky guy, but Terry's luck is also accompanied by innovation, hard work, and a fearless, fearless entrepreneurial spirit. So who is Terry and what does he do exactly? So Terry is a serial entrepreneur with a serious passion for soccer. And right now he's using that passion for soccer to create unique opportunities for players and for families to experience the game in a way that we're just not accustomed to here in the United States. Terry and John played a vital role in the development and the opening of the Accelerator School. And a tagline from the school's website reads, Our soccer curriculum focuses on ample technical training, individualized training programs, blended learning, and South American training trips. You could also describe the school as 21st century style academics with elite soccer training. And how I would describe it, well, I would describe it kind of like a soccer tech mashup for middle schoolers. Kids arrive at 9.15 and begin their day with 90 minutes of soccer. In the afternoon, kids partake in small group and self-paced academics with courses such as coding, sustainability, and languages. And in the evening, they venture off to their club teams where they participate in regular practice and league play. In addition to the on-campus experience at Accelerator School, Terry and his colleague John Kerr also offer trips to South America, where they have access to some of the world's most historic clubs, including Newell's Old Boys. Now, Accelerator School isn't the first school that Terry helped open, though. Terry has three kids, two sons and one daughter. His daughter is an excellent dancer. And Terry realized quickly that in order for a child to pursue dancing and reach the maximum potential, that the number of training hours required did not match the opportunities available. Now, I think we as soccer people can all relate to that. So, Terry changed that. And now, he's offering that same sort of change for young soccer players. Terry and his youngest son, Calvin, have flown across the country twice now from North Carolina to California to be part of our 343 player camps. We've had the privilege of chatting with Terry for extended periods of time over multiple bottles of wine that he's pulled out from his excellent wine collection. He can talk for days and days about wine as well if you wanted him to. Um, But to be quite honest, we wouldn't be introducing you to Terry and his work if we didn't believe in what he's doing. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with our guest, Terry Ransbury. Okay. Yeah, yeah this has been solid. Okay, cool. Um, all right, man. Well, good morning or good afternoon to you. Thanks. You're back in North Carolina? Yeah, I've already had a workout at the school we watched today. We had some guest players in and guest coaches for uh, Charlotte and Greensboro looking checking us out. Charlotte and Greensboro, so... Those are uh, North Carolina towns. Town, okay. Well, yeah. I was just wondering, uh, like club club teams or colleges or. No, we're looking to open up 
two schools. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Number two and number three. Hopefully, if we get enough kids, we're in the recruiting phase right now. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a great way to start your day. Yeah, it's an amazing way. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're we're, we're going to talk about Accelerator School and a lot of the other stuff that uh, that you're into. Um, I'm already recording. Do you think we can just just keep rolling? <laughs> keep rolling. Do you edit later or just uh... eh, sometimes? I don't like to. It's too much work. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. <laughs> I had video once. It sucks. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think the last time I think the last time we saw each other was in L.A. at the convention, yes. an NSCA convention. It was. Yep. And so you and I had lunch with John Kerr, who is the Duke men's head coach, and he's been there for a long time, right? Uh, yeah, probably seven ish, eight years, maybe okay. he was at Harvard before that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, Good yeah, so, so we sat down together and I think there was, there's one of his assistant coaches from Duke that had lunch with us as well. Yeah. That was Chris, the keeper coach. That's right. And, yep. um, but it seems like there's been so much happening since, since then. I mean, I know you've, you've emailed Gary and I a number of different times with updates on, on accelerator school and some other projects that you guys got going on. Um, so we're obviously, I, I want to catch up with you about that. Uh, okay. but I, I think how I kind of want to start this is with a question that kind of popped into my head last night when I was driving home from work and I was thinking about like all the, the kind of the wide array of things that you've kind of gotten yourself into. And one of those being the accelerator school, which I know that as a soccer specific school, but I think you've also started a very similar school, um, with a focus on dance, if I remember right, and your daughter I did. Was a dancer. I started that first. Yeah, my daughter. I I hope you got a picture to show you what kind of an athlete she is. Uh, I get the uh, I get the comparison of how many hours she works out and trains, and it's like thirty a week. And uh, you know, it, it's hedging against the parents that worry that if you do extra school training like the accelerator school, you're going to burn out. But I say, hey, that's nothing to compare to my daughter, and just look at how fit she is. So uh, we started that way. Uh, just due to necessity out of public schools, um, starting so early in the morning and her not being able to get out of gym class, believe it or not. And so I was kind of fed up with that and decided that there were enough girls in the dance studio to start our our special school. And we actually did that uh, three years ago and uh, kind of the prototype for the soccer school that, that we're doing now. And is that also called Accelerator School, or is that a different different branding, or how how do you guys differentiate? That was a that was a one off. Um, it belongs to the studio um, International Ballet Academy here in Cary, North Carolina. Okay. So unrelated to the Accelerator School, except that uh, I helped get that off the ground and and learned a lot doing that, and it made the Accelerator Soccer School much easier. Okay, and so this is where I, I kind of want to go back to. So you started this school, or you you assisted with this school that revolved around dance. You've obviously taken that idea and you, you've formed a soccer school and we're going to talk more in depth about that in, in, in just a few minutes. But the idea or the question that kind of popped into my head is, well, obviously I, I think I should backtrack a little bit more too. Um, you're, you're, you seem to be a serial entrepreneur. You, you got a million different projects going on at once. I feel like, and none of them are easy projects. And, I don't know your your formal backgrounds. So maybe we can get into that a little bit later too. But it, it seems like you're constantly having to learn new things, and I'm I'm wondering if you can describe to me what it's like having to learn something without somebody there to really teach you. Because it seems like you you kind of have to learn how to start a school. You have to learn how to 
engineer a product. You have to learn how to do all these different things without really having, you know, a, a playbook. Uh, agreed. Um, so I think that's a little bit part personality, um, independent of, uh, intelligence. I, you know, my wife is super bright, but she's just not a risk taker. And, and I have a high tolerance for risk. And, um, it's just some people I think are, are born this way. And, uh, it's when you, when you guys started three, four, three, I mean, you probably talked about it, but then when it's time for action, uh, you just have to kind of jump in and do it. There's, uh, and, and you learn so fast. And if you're, uh, accepting of the fact that you're going to get some setbacks, but that you believe that your, uh, your mates that are helping you do it are confident and, um, up for the task that you're going to overcome and you do. And so this is what happened with, uh, I, I'm currently the, the head of a medical device, um, design firm, small firm. We started that, um, from scratch. We've been six years and cash flow positive and successful. Uh, we did the ballet school. I've done a consumer product for soccer, uh, and not having any real background, but having an interest and, and a passion for stuff. And I know that's trite, but it's really what it takes. And it's almost all it takes. If you, if you love the idea and you're uh, willing to seek help, there's help a lot of places, um, you know, from the internet to people. If you just open to talking to people and open your ears and listen, uh, you might be surprised how much help there is out there to, to do things. And then it just comes down to, uh, the gut moment and you, you just got to go for it. And, and luckily for me, and I, I have that, uh, either insanity or, or confidence and, and it just seems to work. So I, I love doing it. And, um, I know the accelerator school's got a lot of expansion potential and that's kind of our next focus and, and just loving it. I wish I could, you know, split myself into five different people and do it all at once, but time management's my big challenge. <laughs> of course. We run into that too at three four three. No doubt. Yeah, there's there's so many there's so many directions that this conversation can go. And you mentioned the the consumer product and I, I don't know if you're able to talk about that. Maybe we can we can get into that at some point. Um but the the school is obviously I think uh, the big reason why you and I have stayed in contact and why we'll continue to stay in contact in the future as well. So maybe if you could just give a quick explanation of what Accelerator School is today and what you guys were working on doing this morning when you guys are having other people come out and, and check out the school. Uh, sure. And, and yeah, let's, let's take it from there. Okay. So uh, really it was born out of my daughter's experience that I talked about, but also John Kerr, uh, who's one of the most generous soccer guys you'll ever meet, um, has a vision of uh, getting the American player up to speed. And uh, I know um, you've had on guests before that have talked about 10,000 hour rule. And uh, it's, it's important because we're, we're not getting there as Americans. We looked at the research and uh, it's not new to us, but it's, it's been around, but our American development program doesn't get you to 10,000 hours until you're 29 years old. The Europeans are at 20. The South Americans are at 13 to 15, depending on who you read. And that's just the reason why we're not getting enough quality players. So John's vision, um, I told him about the dance program and he said, oh, I've always wanted to do this. Let's do the soccer school, but let's do it right on education. So 
what we put together, we've got an education curriculum developer. Um, he's a business school professor at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And we said, you know, Chris, that's his name. You've got a blank sheet of paper to design a school. And we're going to start the day with soccer. We do an hour and a half in the morning uh, every day, five days a week. And then we uh, quick shower and snack. And then we do a first block of classroom experience, then lunch. Then we do school again until four-ish, uh, where some of the kids have a pretty good commute to go to their club team, and the kids go to their club in the afternoon. So we're club neutral. We're just trying to, although some of the clubs don't buy that line at the first time, tenth time we say it. Yeah, but uh, we real we quick, are. I, want, I want to interrupt you. How how is that received by clubs, and what are some of the challenges you you've had dealing with uh, uh, being club neutral? Well, at first, there's a little bit of a doubt. We In our area here, we've got a, a giant club called Castle. It's now part of NCFC, the pro team. Um, and all of the little clubs were very suspicious that we were just recruiting players to develop and, and have them uh, be taken by the big club. And, and this, is, um, this is true in the other places that we've explored. Uh, I won't name the cities or the clubs, but um, they get suspicious that we're going to we're going to take them away. And really all we're trying to do is supplement training and get them more touches on the ball and get their hours up. We work on uh, finesse. We don't, you know, we've, we don't have uh, enough kids to form a team at any age group, so it should be proof, but you'd be surprised how they, they're suspicious. So we, we plow through that. And usually after a while they, they get over that. And then um, uh, back to your question about uh, today's group in attendance. So we've, we are in recruiting mode for next, fall and uh, our best advertisement really is to have uh, the mom and dads bring their kids out and take a look watch what we do in the in the morning and see how the um, the coaching goes and what type of drills we do and then take a look at the classroom and see how that uh, works and really it's our best advertisement so uh, you know it's a private school uh, it's a it's a lot of money we know that but um, this is how we we get people and interested and then really once they see and and um, I, I try not to go to the kids at first it's really not fair because the kids all want to do it right away and you know, they're bugging their parents hey can I do that school can I do that school <laughs> so I usually I, I try and be polite and ask permission to the from the parents to talk to the kids um, after I talk to them first just in case there's no fit I don't, I don't want to get that uh, false hope up so that's what we do. And that's how we, we get uh, through our day. And we do adjustments. Um, we have an indoor place. We get cold weather here, unlike uh, you all Californians. Uh, so we have indoor <laughs> that we use um, part of the time. And then we track them. I, we ask them all the time, are you sore? Do you have a tournament coming up? And maybe we'll do a yoga day or uh, a video day to just keep the load on them managed. And, and we let the kids, uh, if they need more time to study, we, we want to make sure that, you know, as as one of the coaches told us, he said, you know, you can screw up their soccer career. That's okay. And it's not great. But if you screw up their education, that's unforgivable. So we take that very seriously. And, and frankly, I would put my son who's in the school, I would put him in the school um, for the school and academics independent of the football. But uh, the football has been, been fantastic. And, and when I, if I, uh, and I, I know you've got an open invitation to come on out and when you do it and you sit there on the sideline and you watch the start of the day, like I watched today and, uh, and you just think this is the way to do it. And, and I wish I could rewind the clock and, and be in middle school again and, and hop in, but uh, this is the best I can do with my kid. So <laughs> I want to go back to something you, you just, you just kind of touched on and you, you mentioned that you guys kind of monitor 
the kids that are in the school and whether or not they have a tournament coming up or maybe you had you know a busy weekend or something like that. Do you guys pay any more or less attention to kids by their age or at what age do you have to really start to monitor that? Or is that something you guys haven't really developed yet? Cause I know like if it, if an eight year old is in the school, I don't think you guys are, are that young, but you know, those oh. kids are, those kids are like energizer bunnies, but a 15 year old that played a tournament over the weekend is going to, his body's going to be feeling much different than that eight-year-old. Agreed. So you're right. We we started with middle schoolers. We have an exceptional fifth grader. Uh, we do screen for soccer ability. Um, we're trying to service that one or two percent that dream about being, you know, D one or better pro level. And we, and we certainly know the odds are very long there. But that, those are the type of kids we're after. Uh, so we're fifth through. We have a ninth grader, and we're we're going to track up as they get older through high school. We're putting together a curriculum, and you're right. They they do have different physical uh, needs. Some of them go through that Seavers, you know, uh, phase, and we we rest them and we take them out, and it's no big deal. And then some you know have that growth spurt going on, and uh, they get a little awkward, and and they get sore, and so we. We ask them all the time, and, we, and we've got a keen eye. We've got three coaches out there at all times for 18 kids, which is a, a high ratio, and we add a keeper coach to that too um, a couple days a week. So we've got, we've got a good you know, set of eyeballs out there. Our coaches are very experienced, high-level, um, excellent uh, player development coaches, that, and that's what we're we, – um, as the administrators of the school, we get a lot of parents that watch. Uh, we have some that drive an hour and a half a day, and they're, they've been incredibly supportive. And it's the type that will come out first year without a proven track record. And, and we talk to them, and we say, hey, how's so-and-so doing? Uh, we heard, and, and we use all the social media to communicate. And, and it's a, you know, I don't know, family's not quite right, but it's close. And so we, we're aware. And that, uh, that's part of our job as administrators to work the parent network. And then the teachers work it as well, and the coaches. And so we... We try and keep uh, the needs of the kids uh, at high priority. Can you can you talk a little bit about what that that start of the day looks like? So when the kids arrive at nine a.m., throwing out a time, I don't know. Nine fifteen. Nine fifteen. We try and give them some sleep. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, um, so, and, and you said the first hour and a half is soccer specific. So what does that first hour and a half look like for the kids that are showing up at nine? Okay. So we're and you know we're. We're first thing in the morning. We try and loosen them up um, slowly, and uh, but at nine fifteen, we, you know, we're trying to give them the most sleep we can without really compressing the day too much and not leaving enough time for school and their club workout in the afternoon. So, uh, you know, warm up and they're and they're usually ready to go. They're, I mean, if it was me, I'd have to have an hour warm up. You know, at fifty five years old, but these kids are good, and uh, and then we usually start. With um, and we segregate a little bit on ability, uh, and we do drills that are not bogged down by inability. We have a range of ages, um, and uh, remind me, I'll tell you about socially how they they do there too later. But um, it's individual skill uh, sets, or we work in groups of two or three. With a lot of the drills we see you three for three guys do on your coaching program, um, and we and we try and segregate by speed and independent of age, and it's so it's talent and speed, and we're trying to match so that the the best kids we agree with uh, also your three for three philosophy of you got to coach to the best level uh, it's, otherwise you're doing a disservice to to your players and we're trying to drag the other ones with us and so individual stuff high speed a lot of touches we encourage um creativity 
nutmegs, stepovers, back heels, because we see the clubs are not doing that and frowning upon that. And that is one of John's philosophies that our American kids are just cookie cutter and we're not creative. And and then when you go down to South America, you see the, the contrast and it's, it's unbelievable. So we're trying to do that. Um, and then we do um, some more uh, drills with finishing. We see that that's lacking a lot in the U.S. development. Uh, we got a lot of our games I go watch and the kids up front, they can't get a shot off because they need the third touch to get the ball right in the right spot. And so we try and work on a lot of finishing and it also puts our keepers under a lot of reps. So we do that. And then, uh, depending on, you know, which drills we do, rondos, of course, uh, as a staple. And then we try and finish up with some scrimmaging and let them play. And this is where we're really trying to encourage the creativity that we think is lacking. And so we applaud the nutmegs and the back heels and the, you know, step overs, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where we end the day usually. And even with a, a spread in age, the, the, the remember we've screened for quality. So these even the, the young sixth graders are are the best of their age group or some of the best. And so the, the quality is good. And then the older kids, uh, you know, they they play hard. And we're you know, maybe not as physical as a real game, but um, it's it's full on. And we. Uh, we learned a lesson in South America. Rapido, rapido, rapido. As much as we can encourage that. So, and then we're we're done. And then you know an hour and a half's gone quickly. And shower and school time, and away we go. How how structured are those games that you guys end with at the end of the day? I'm curious how much like John or Chris might be interjecting during those games, or is it more like free play? It's free play on purpose. Um, they get enough structured. Uh, work with their clubs as far as the team play and and we don't want to step on the club's toes as far as your team strategy and your tactics and stuff like that even though we probably like to sometimes um but we we're just applauding creative play we're letting uh we you know sometimes use neutrals and sideline neutrals to increase the passing but basically we're just encouraging good play when we see it you know, we give them the, <clears throat> it's not a good play, but, but we're trying to, this is the kind of the philosophy of skill level in the early part of the workout development and then creativity expression, uh, to finish the day. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, me saying it, but, um, it's working. Uh, the kids are showing, you know, better first touches and, and comfort on the ball and confidence and, and they're talking more out on the on the pitch and maybe some of it's, you know, a little, what you guys call spice. Um, but it's, it's healthy. And, and this is what we think is important. Yeah. The the reason why I was asking about that is, uh, I don't know if you're, if, if you've seen the, the latest thing that we've been working on here at three, four, three, but we're doing our players club and it's mainly focused around pickup games because we see that as an area where we, as a country are completely lacking. And it seems like you guys have kind of identified that as the, as a similar area as well. And I know that you and John, when we, when we had lunch in LA earlier this year, you guys talked a lot about your guys's influences from South America and you guys have done many trips to South America. And I think that's one of the, one of the things you guys have, have seen a lot of is this like pickup culture, this kind of freestyle culture. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's, a breath of fresh air to see somebody kind of creating a program based around, based around that. Um, not to say that your program is based around just free, free play scrimmages, but, um, but you guys are obviously trying to, uh, 
supplement outside of the structured club environment, which is that that's where we feel is really, really lacking in, in this country. Uh, we agree, John, I don't miss a thing that three, four, three does. In fact, every, <laughs> I, I look for Twitter from, from Gary and you and Joey and, uh, the group every day. And I love that idea of your street ball. Um, I'll give you a few more months of exclusivity. <laughs> I'd love to copy it here or, or open a branch. I think it's brilliant. Um, it's what they do. And it's part of, uh, you know, John Kerr's upbringing. His father was a uh, Cosmo and actually a great uh, footballer played with Pele at the Cosmos and, and brought John, he played with the, the big club in Mexico city and I'm blanking on the name, but, uh, as a kid and he would play before school first recess. Now they, they have numbers of recesses there, so you can get the idea of what that's like. Plays at lunch, plays at second recess, plays after school. And they play, he describes it. He's on a big open field, two big trees on each end of the field. It's maybe much larger than a regular pitch. Two big trees serve as goals on either end. And the age group is there's 50 year old men playing. There's eight year old kids and everything in between. And it might be, you know, 30 on 30 and uh, no, no officiating, no nothing. So, and he said that was fantastic for his skill development. And, you know, he turned out to be an accomplished player. And, and I think you're doing the absolutely perfect thing out there. Uh, and because it's, it's what we see in South America that happens in between their club activity every day. And, you know, our, uh, I can't speak for everywhere in the U S but the places I've seen, we just don't have it. Uh, there's just not a pickup culture, and it, that's that's different, and maybe you know, I don't know if cell phones and video games are a little bit to blame or a lot to blame. But as a kid, we didn't I didn't have those, and we played pickup other sports. And regret not doing soccer for sure, but uh, every day, and we were out. And you know, the times I got in trouble were my sister had to go get me from dinner at eight o'clock, and we ate early back then, and you know, that was a, a different set. So I think you're on the right track, and it's it's what the creativity deficiency needs to to be overcome. So do it more. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. It's, it's it, kind of interesting when you get into the talk of does a pickup culture exist in the United States or is the, is the wrong culture kind of not the wrong culture. See, I, I, I get, I get kind of tongue tied when I talk about it. Um, it's just the, the culture that is, that is in the spotlight is like that suburban kind of white bread culture that culture isn't playing pickup. There is a pickup culture here in the United States, but uh, th- those kids are kind of just relegated to that. That is their only option. They don't have the club option. They don't have the the ladder to climb. It seems like, and I didn't I didn't put that as gracefully as I probably should have. But um, yeah, so I, I get it. Um, so I, I tell you, our situation here: uh, the players that are on my son Calvin's team don't live close enough. They would need a car to get to uh, a pickup game at that at that quality level. And so I live, I can open my blinds here and I can look down on a soccer pitch that's unused um, 99% of the time. And yet the, there's kids in the neighborhood, but they're not, um, they're not into the game. And, uh, and just the, our suburban lifestyle is more, more convenient for that just because the density is higher. And that if there's a, there's a place to play, whether it's, you know, on asphalt or, sand or dirt or grass in the in the high density maybe that's what's what's fundamentally different and then i'll agree with you too the you know the soccer first cultures that you guys talk about all the time i i know that's real and 
I'm starting to turn my mind on understanding that uh, relative to what I see in, in some of the soccer first cultures, you know, where, more where you live than, uh, than here. And certainly your, your LA area is, is got it. Um, and then as I see it in South America and I'm just, I'm just trying to get my head around, you know, why, why our suburban culture can't be better. And I'm, I'm not satisfied. Uh, and I'll get back to you when I learn more about that, <laughs> but I'm on a mission. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I went, when I went to Barcelona last year, um, when I, or when I got back from Barcelona last year, somebody asked me like, Oh, did you just see pickup games all over the place? And I was like, honestly, no, I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I, I didn't see as much of it. Actually, to be honest, I didn't see any pickup soccer when I was in Barcelona and it's not, Nor did I. I, yeah. And it's not because I wasn't looking for it. Trust me. I had my eyes looking on every open space thing and I was going to see soccer balls flying everywhere. And I, I, I didn't. And it's funny. I, I see more pickup soccer here where I live and I live in a primarily Hispanic um, kind of area in California in central California. And I, I see pickup soccer all over the place, but I also see more pickup basketball. I see a lot of baseball and that's mainly due because that's what the city is putting in. The city's putting in baseball fields. The city's putting in a basketball court and they're not right. putting in areas for people to play soccer. And a lot of times those basketball courts are getting repurposed as, you know, futsal courts or, or things mm-hmm. like that. And, and, you know, we're kind of having to make do with, with what is provided, but it's like the main soccer field where I'm from here in a, in a city that has almost 150,000 people now is two soccer fields in a drainage ditch. And when it rains, we can't play because the floods from all the city's water draining there. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's part, part that, but that, that pickup culture definitely exists. It's just, I, I don't think it, it doesn't get a lot of, uh, a lot of support. So yeah, I, I agree. Let me show you a contrast. So in Montevideo, Uruguay, and in Buenos Aires and in Rosario, uh, you can probably see one pitch from the next. They're so dense. Now, they're not the pristine uh, turf or pristine grass fields. Some of them are dirt, weeds. Uh, there's uh, no netting, of course. That's long gone. Um, and sometimes there's a retaining wall that's four feet off the touchline and you're just thinking, Oh my God, somebody's going to crash into that. However, it's like Starbucks here. You can see a Starbucks in the U S from the next one. Right. But over there it's football pitch, football pitch, football pitch, football pitch. And, uh, you know, a lot of them, when I drive around, we're not active at all times of the day, but a lot of them are. And there's uh, dad out there with son and younger son. And then there's pickup games and, uh, you go to, you go to Argentina and there's a pickup game and everybody's got a messy jersey on all of them. There's, and they're little, they're, you know, six, seven, eight years old and just kicking the ball around and dad's out there doing his best. Um, but it's, that's, it takes you, you know, 10 minutes to see that in, in those places. So I guess this is a good transition point to, to kind of tell people how you have all this experience in, in South America. Because they're probably wondering, like, who is this guy? Like, he just cruises around in a car in Argentina and just watches pickup games. So uh, maybe, so maybe talk a little bit about your experiences down there and, and how you got into uh, your uh, South America trips. Okay, so some people are lucky and others aren't, and I'm one of those that have gotten lucky. I've got no business uh, being as exposed to uh, the level of soccer that I have. I'm a soccer dad. I've been there for, you know, I don't know. Uh, my oldest is 19 years old now, so he started when he was eight or so. But um, 
in the right spot at the right time. So I've met uh, my good buddies at ISL, um, who you've met too. They're in Charlotte. They're uh, Alex Eastern is a soccer. Um, but you know, highly connected in Barcelona. Terry, real uh, quick, just you, happened you, to meet you, him at a camp. A friend. You cut. Yeah. You cut out there. You said Alex, and then and then it sounds like it cut out. So maybe go back oh. and introduce Alex. Oh, so Alex Eastern. He's a, a good friend of mine. He's in the Charlotte area, but he's well connected in the FC Barcelona uh, organization. They they're opening Escolas all over the U.S. They just had press releases. He. I was saying that he and. And uh, you three for three guys are in competition to rule the U.S. soccer world someday. <laughs> but, but great guys. So there's my Barcelona connection. We go behind the scenes there. Um, you know, uh, their fathers are into the into the club's history. And um, you met Mark and his dad. His father's the players' union rep, and his grandfather was El Gran Capitan. You can see him in the in the trophy room. And so I've gotten I'm lucky to know these guys and learned about Barcelona. And then really, John Kerr has introduced me to, and he knows freaking everybody um in europe and south america so we i go down there and who do i meet i meet uh, ruben sosa legend ruben sosa right and he invites him up to to do a camp before our opening of the accelerator school and here he is ruben sosa's in my house he doesn't speak any english my spanish is <laughs> five ten words and you know and i but i know who he is i look at his highlight reel on youtube is awesome um, the goals that he scored and the people he played against so um, let me just take a little uh, segue here. So I, I go there, and uh, the person on the ground there arranges a day with uh, me and Ruben to pal around Montevideo, Uruguay, not understanding that I don't speak. So I've got my phone out. I'm doing the Google Translate. But I have all day to hang out with him. And everywhere we go, John, it's, it's Ruben Sosa, Ruben Sosa. And he hasn't, you know, he's played in the 90s, but we're pumping gas. And he rolls down the window, and the guy, instant recognition, you know, wants the picture. So I take the picture of the guy taking the picture, of course. We go to uh, fabulous wineries out there, and there's a, you know, barrel set up with two glasses for he and I. And I, I get treated like royalty over there. I've got no business, you know, being this, but I'm just, <laughs> thanks to some, some luck. And then, uh, and, you know, I got to give you credit that it really started. I have a party. Um, our sons played together and he, one day he says, Hey, you got to check this, this three, four, three group out. And I, I go, okay. And so I, I look and then I watch your video that went viral and I'm instantly addicted. All right. So I've been scrutinizing you carefully since, uh, that day. <laughs> and so actually your, your organization, I got to say it like it is, it's, it's fueled my passion for it. And I, I have those, that kind of personality, I, a little compulsive and I get into things and then I'm in all in and, uh, and then just, um, lucky meeting people now South America. So we go down there. I meet uh, Esteban Pogani, who's the keeper coach of the Argentina keeper coaches for their youth program. I meet Ruben Sosa. We go to um, we we go to all the stadiums. I sent you some notes on. We we get to see uh, a Boca Juniors game. It's not easy to get into. It's members only. We're there. We got great seats. We're um, and so. I mean, I'll, I'm just saying that uh, I've got no business, and so all these people that are listening to your podcast have no idea who I am, and it's okay. Um, but uh, the soccer world, I'm finding, is full of great people and and willing to talk about things and and teach me, and and I'm just sucking it in as fast as I can, and uh, and living a uh, you know probably better than I deserve to use a Dave Ramsey phrase. Um, so that's that's what's going on. But uh, just fundamentally back to Scotland. I'm, uh, went to Scotland to a different place, South America. So we go there and, and the coaches are 
as warm as they can be to us. Uh, there's a play, we go to uh, where Maradona came from, his first club, and the, the regulars are on the parking lot because it's rained and they don't want to mess up the grass. But of course, they let our group go on the grass and they coach us. Three hours later, we're trying to drag our kids off the pitch. And, um, and just the, what we saw there was just jaw-dropping intensity and speed of, of workout. And, and the coaches were, there were four of them for, you know, we had 12 kids and, um, the goalie coach is behind our goalies. Got, he's got our keeper on a bungee. I don't know if that's common practice. I'm not into the keeper training as much as I'd like to be, but, uh, just the quality of play. And then we watched their other kids at all these age groups go and, and the, uh, the instant attack mode was, it was so palatable. You can feel it from the parking lot. You get out there and you go, something's weird here. It's the intensity. You can feel it. I'm, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not on the pitch. I'm not on the sideline, but you get this goosebumpy feeling and then you get out there and you watch. And I, I took some video and I was going to send you some video, but when I watched the video, uh, it, it's, it's, it doesn't seem, it seems so slow in the video. And I had the same experience with your three for three videos until I saw um, Brian's um, Galaxy team in person, and I was floored by the even the rondo at, at practice, and then your camp uh, where you had the guys come in and do the rondo, and and just when you see that, you're like, back home we're not we're not close, and we we gotta we gotta adopt this, of course, <laughs> and and then you go, and I would say, you know, the those, those your special fifteen sixteen group at Galaxy is the closest thing I've seen in the U S and I, I tag along with John now and we, I go to all these, uh, showcases and, and things while he's recruiting. And I just, I just go to learn. And I can tell you that those guys are, uh, and I tweeted about it once jaw dropping fast in person. And so you look good in, in video. And so when you see, uh, Argentina first club football on TV, you'll notice it looks fast, faster than the EPL. And then when you're there in person, you can't believe it. It's, it's two X or, close to so anyways um i can do that and be all over the place on conversation but, uh, but it was it's great there and we're well connected and we're we're planning on going back soon this summer for extended time uh, down there so um, the 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 group that you go down there with that's the group from accelerator school or is that is, is that a separate thing that other people can join in on uh it is we're open um if you want to go so let me tell you what we're we're doing so the we went spring break and we try and coordinate with the school uh, calendar so that we don't mix families up on, on there, even though we'd like to go down there and eventually we're going to do semesters down there. But in the meantime, uh, we went spring break and I would say that raised awareness of what intense survival first culture football is all about now. And our kids got it and, and they, they see it, but then they come back and they, they do well for a few days and now they're kind of back. And so now we're going back in the summer. We have two, uh, week programs back to back to back. So six week options, two in Montevideo and then, uh, the next two total of four in Rosario. And it's, so we took our accelerator school guys down there kind of the first time to, it's our first time down there to, uh, with, we do with a travel agency called go play in their first class, um, to try it out. But in this case, if, uh, we will take other people, if you want to go, it's unfortunately it's not cheap, but, um, you can contact me through our, our website, um, www.accelerator.school or just uh, find me on Twitter and uh, I'll be glad to talk to you. But we're, we'd like to take quality players because uh, we think we have something special. And 
Uh, a lot of us have been to those programs and I've been to Barcelona and they're great. Um, but usually what you have is their coaches coaching your kids. What we're doing now is, and this is thanks to John getting us through, we're going to have our morning session with their coach and it'll be Ruben Sosa and his colleagues in, in the morning. And then in the afternoons, we're going to get our players placed on the teams there so that we can train with their teams. And that is a special deal. Not easy to do, but I think it's something that we can offer that's, uh, I don't hear of it, and I've never heard of it before. It may be happening, I just don't know, but it's, it's different. And we think that's the next level of uh, service that we can provide our, our students. And then you know, we thought, hey, why don't we invite uh, others? So you know, all your listeners, if you want to do it, and you've got a quality player in the um, middle school to, hey, we'll take 16 um, this time. We'll expand later, but if you're interested, get a hold of us. We'd be glad to give you the details and see if it's if it's right for your kids. And I'll I'll make sure I I link to your Twitter. We'll if you're comfortable, we'll, we'll throw your email address up I on am. there so people can uh, can yep. reach out to you because I think that's important. Um, mm-hmm. Man, that, and you know that someday, you know, you're gonna be my guest. You're gonna be my guest. <laughs> I hope so, man. We got we got to figure out something. I either got to get to to North Carolina to check out the school or or South America. I gotta I gotta make time for that in my busy schedule. Or but both. Yep. If you can make time for all this stuff that you do, I feel I feel like I should be able to make time <laughs> as well. Good. Um, yeah, and, and what you just said about the uh, the kids being coached by. A foreign coach. I feel like, like you mentioned, that that is very common, and mm-hmm. yeah. we we get hit up all the time about, you know, hey, like my my player is going to go on trial for this team. Like, what do you think about this experience? And people will send us like like their email interactions with clubs or coaches or agents or whoever from around the world, and a lot of it's bogus, man. A lot of a it's lot bogus. Is bogus. It's for money a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's for money, and 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 one of the things I've noticed about my interactions with you is that it's super genuine, and I I don't feel like you guys are in this for any type of you know to just to just rake in rake in cash, and that's why I'm I'm super interested in learning more about your guys's projects, and and I have no problem promoting what you guys do um, because I I do feel like this is a, a unique experience. I didn't know that you guys were actually working on getting the players involved with the. Uh, actual teams. But I'm curious how, how that works out because if you throw a kid from North Carolina into the mixer with this kid from, from Argentina, like there's obviously going to be some, some gaps in there. We try and, uh, so it may be where our 16 year old ends up on the third 14 year old team. Got it. No, we're going to place by ability. It's and in, in with the school, we're finding age has got very little to do with it, especially we're dealing with the kids on, uh, both sides of puberty and and growth spurts, and I'm still bitter. I never had one, but um, the <laughs> the uh, the leveling over there is critical. Yeah, we don't want to we don't want to you know we're guests, uh, paying guests, but we don't want to you know wear out our welcome with a bad experience and and put somebody over their head, and it's a disservice to both. You know, the kid that's in over his head, and it's we respect. Uh, another thing I've learned. Outside the U.S., the respect of football is um, is different, okay? And so we want to bring that here, and, and we see it here too, uh, but not as, as prevalent over there. You're, it's a respected profession. Um, it's not a sport. It's a way of life, and, and we want to respect that and not 
not just pay our way in. That would be disingenuous. And, um, and we want to match that talent. And I think this is a, you know, and we, we, we are up front. The kids know, I mean, they, they see it right away. They see their age group and they, you know, they mutter to each other or damn, these guys are good and fast and wow, look at that. And so they know, um, but we're bringing the best talent we have and we're not bad. Uh, I don't want to give the impression that we're, you know, we're not good players. We're, we're as athletic as they are for sure. Um, sometimes we're bigger. Um, they play a more physical game. Uh, our kids learned that uh, right away and it was great to see. And it's not cheap physical. It's just, you know, they're contesting or hip, maybe a little Jersey pull, but not bad. And then, you know, they'll knock you down and they're not helping you up because it's no offense. It's just part of the game. And, and our kids got into that in, in a matter of hours. And it was great to see. So, so thanks for the, you know, endorsement of our, we are genuine. I can tell you that it's an, it's in our best interest to develop players and it's, you know, led by John and I'm just here to make it happen. What, what is your, your role with accelerator school? I'm the guy that does the spreadsheet and tells John that we cannot go to Argentina every other week. <laughs> so I do budgeting. Um, I'm, uh, I'm pretty facile with the computer. So and planning and my, uh, day job, I do a lot of analysis. So, um, I try and keep us on track and plan out, hey, we, we never know how many students we're going to get until we actually get get the school year started. So I plan contingencies and um, say, yeah, we can afford to go now and we, or we can't and we got to do this and wait. And, and then uh, uh, there's three of us, um, you know, the education guys, Chris, and John's a soccer guy, and then I'm kind of the in-betweener. And we, we work the parents as the, as the issues come up. Um, you know, the teachers are the front line, the coaches are the front line, but if things, we have issues that go beyond that and we're always checking on, you know, how are we doing and how's your, your player and are they, you know, you know, are they fit and are they having fun? Um, and so that's, that's what we do. We just glue it and we let the coaches coach and the teachers teach and, and, uh, just try and keep it rolling down the tracks as best we can. And it's sometimes it's messy behind the scenes, but it's it's going great um, on the field and in the classroom. Terry, what do you think the overall goal is for Accelerator School? Is it to start and do some schools in North Carolina, or is it to expand beyond that? What what are your what are your guys' aspirations right now? Okay, so uh, good question. We are just finishing year one in uh, Cary slash Raleigh, North Carolina the triangle. We are trying to open Charlotte and Greensboro as a, as we see the need everywhere. Um, with, uh, all the people we go and talk to clubs all over the country and some in, in, in Europe too. And they, they, we get the standard response. Ah, we always wanted to do that. That's a great idea. Well, okay. I, why didn't you do it? Right. So, and we get that. These are people running football clubs, soccer clubs, and the education is, is daunting, and then uh, as it should be because it's it's critical, right? So we um, we talk to I, I talk to you about this. I want you to do this, um, you and and uh, Gary to do this someday when it's right for the three four three community. And we talk to people from Seattle, San Diego, Kansas City, Florida, D.C., New York. Um, they all want to do it, and we and we can't. We want to strike a balance between spreading this and not letting the quality drop because it's, uh, and we're looking for people that are equally, equally passionate about it and we see them 
And so we started locally here in North Carolina for expansion because uh, just for safety's sake, if we have issues, we can drive there. You know, in two hours I can get to Charlotte and in 45 minutes I can get to, to Greensboro. So um, we want to go slowly, but um, we believe in our, our program and we think it's beneficial and, um, you know, we want to expand at a rate that we can and uh, we're not going to do a thousand schools or anything crazy like that, but I'd like to do, you know, maybe 12 over five years or something like that hint on my spreadsheet. That's what's on there. Um, maybe better, but I'm looking for, you know, people, uh, I think you would be a great fit, your group. Um, but we, you know, I talked to, I know clubs are doing it. So I know galaxies tried it and I know, um, there's a you know a checklist that's not uh, it's not a slam dunk everywhere. You got to have a depending on the weather. You got the facility is critical because we're compressing the day by letting the kids sleep and and going to the club and we want first class school in there. So um, we've got a beautiful setup here in Wake Med Soccer Park. We hold you know we from the pitch to the shower to the classroom is walking um, in you know two minutes. So that's efficient. And we're looking for places like that, and then we're looking for people that can run it and expand and we'll give you the education program that's kind of our crown jewels and then if you if it makes sense uh we'll do it it's a big venture and i guess one thing that pops in my head too is is do you guys have any aspirations to go beyond soccer is this program something that can happen with baseball or basketball or something like that is there are there people doing this in that yeah realm um, yeah the short answer is yes uh we like certain sports better than others for a fit because of the, uh, what exists already. Like if your sport is a, is a high school sport, like basketball is it's big AAU as well. It's not a good fit because we're basically doing our own school and we're not, we want to do sports that have clubs because we want to be club neutral and we don't want to form the teams in the league and and play in the league and that stuff uh, because we're, we're here to augment, not to take over. And then, um, there's a couple I like a lot. Uh, volleyball, I like a lot. Um, I used to live out in California for 17 years and learned to play on the on the grass, 2v2 in the beach, and loved it. Um, and I think that the dem- demographic is good. I mean, it's when you start, you got to go after people that can afford it um, and then work your way into scholarship things. And, hey, we're going to have our first uh, couple scholarship kids that we're going to introduce next year. We're very pleased about that. Been there, uh, depending on the area and the emphasis of club versus high school. Lacrosse is big out here. We've thought about that too, but uh, we just don't have the bandwidth to do it. And and we are in love with the soccer game right now. So um, we may, uh, it could happen, but I think I'd rather expand in the soccer arena than in the other sports. Yeah, it seems like there's definitely a passion for for soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. And. I can't believe we haven't even mentioned this already, but your son, Calvin, this is actually how we got to know you directly mm-hmm. was your son, Calvin, uh, has attended a few of our three, four, three player camps. And so we've had yes. the, Gary and I've had the privilege of actually, uh, actually sitting down with you and kind of roundtabling about ideas. And, and I think, uh, was it the last time that you came out, we all kind of met in the hotel lobby and you brought, you brought out some of your, uh, some of your wine collection and, and yeah. kind of, this is when we learned, uh, about your your entrepreneurial spirit, and you were showing us all these projects that you're working on, and, and this is when you kind of debuted the school idea to us. 
Yeah, that was before we started. And so that was, what, in, J- in July? And we started in August. That's so, right. yeah, that was, uh, that was a good time. Um, so uh, just for people that don't know, uh, North Carolina, to you've had it in two different spots in California. That is the best youth camp of all that I've been to, and I've been to lots of them. And, um, and it's you know not just because I'm on your podcast and everything. It is uh, the, when you watch uh, from day one to the last day, and it's what you four days and you know, only three hours. And I we flew out there to do it, but the possession uh, transfer to the kids in though that short time is just amazing. And I don't see it anywhere else. There's things I, I I can't believe I don't see this. And I'll excuse one area of uh, everybody else that. uh, runs their practices with eight teams on a pitch like we do here insanity um there's no room for things that you do at your camp that that i don't see anywhere throw-ins choreographed throw-ins choreographed building out of the back choreographed transitions from you know back third to uh, you guys uh, maybe do it in finer gradients than thirds but middle third and then finishing thirds i go to all these camps I i don't see that i don't see it in the club training i don't see it anywhere. And the only place I see it is on your videos and in your coaching program and then your camps. So, um, if I don't go to South America, I see you raise the age group to 13. I think if you're on your camp, I'll be out again, but I think I'm going to be in Rosario, uh, on the hallowed grounds of Lionel Messi's training youth. I'm looking at that, but if not, I'm coming. So save a spot. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I have a vivid memory of, of you, uh, coming up to me after one of the days at camp and you're like, Dude, what 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 are you guys thinking doing throw-ins at a camp? Like nobody's doing throw-ins at a camp, and just the way that the way that you came up and you're all excited about it, and and the way that you kind of described it right now too, it's just it's, yeah, it's you know stuff that you don't normally see, and and people would kind of if they hear that and they're like, how are these? Why why are they working on throw-ins at a camp? But it's not necessarily that we're working on throw-ins. It's 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 the bigger picture there. So it is. It's it's beautiful. Keep it up. Yeah, I think it's great. Yep. Um. So I'm. Um, you, you did a great job, by the way, of, of sending me uh, all these bullet points that we could we could still talk about. But there's so much stuff, man. Um, I, I kind of I, I was going to ask your permission. Do, do you mind if I just post this uh, this bullet point list in the write up so people can kind of see all this other stuff that you've got going on? Not at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> have to look it over and see if it. But yeah, you're welcome to do that. I would like to, if we got time, to talk about one more thing that I saw that I gotta just pass on. I've done Absolutely. it on Twitter. Um, Newell's old boys in Rosario, where Messi started, and I sent you a picture of of me with his little mural on the wall there. It's a goosebump place, right? Um, but this El Banderaza pep rally, to use the American term was one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen. I sent you a link. Uh, and you know when you go on places and you're, you're awed by it and you, you get your phone out and you're taking pictures and then you, you go another 50 feet and, oh, geez, I should have waited and took in a picture here and waited and waited. So I, I'm taking videos of this thing. And this is a, uh, for people that you should look online and, and see. Um, so I end up running out of battery and, and video before the thing's even close to starting, right? So this is a pep rally on Thursday for their big derby against Rosario Central and uh, changed my outlook on, on derbies and enthusiasm. And I just come from uh, Boca. I didn't go to their um, River Plate uh, match, but I'm sure it's, it's close. Anyways, it's Thursday. The weather's horrible. It's raining. 
and I'm freezing because I'm experiencing different weather than South America. And so uh, it's two hours before the the team is going to come out. This is on Thursday. Game's on Sunday. Two hours, and the, the end stadium's full. And it's lightning, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to send people home. No, they don't do that there. And then they're, the drummer's going. And in South America, the drummers must have arms like you know Schwarzenegger or something and because they drum for the whole time, continuously. And so the, the stands are filling up, and they expect 30,000 people, but only, I think, twelve to 15,000 show up. And they're singing two hours before... And it's crazy. And I'm taking video, taking video, taking video. And of course, my battery runs out and I don't, and then I don't get to the part where the lights go down, the players sneak out onto the field and they know the ritual here. And this is a night version and there's, there's day versions and they do it you know, every year, which is crazy. And the noise and the enthusiasm and the, the flares and the smoke and the stadiums rocking. And this is a pep rally Thursday. And it is staggering and you're you're trying not to ball your head off you it's you're misting up and you're like uh is this appropriate to cry in front of these people yes it is because the enthusiasm is unbelievable and you tell unless you're there but if you look at the video you can see and, and all my not soccer guys oh you went to a heavy metal rock concert <laughs> no this is a this is a this is a you know a team thing before the game and i i don't know of anywhere in the world that can do it at this level, I, much less in the game at that level. And then you look at the stadium and it's, it's black and white, uh, black and red. And it's kind of this ominous thing and it's lighting and thunder and raining like crazy. It was just a perfect setting for darkness. And, but the passion is, is, um, you know, it's hard to come back to and, and, you know, go to our local pro game and there's, uh, you know, 5,000 people in a 10,000 stadium and everyone's, you know, quiet. And then you go to the other games there and the fans are, they're into everything, every touch or applaud or, or saying or whatever. And they're into the whole game every minute. And then, you know, they get scored upon. They got another great tradition. I got to tell you about too. They get scored upon. And then you hear a lot of analysis in language. I can't repeat because I know just those Spanish words and I'm like, Ooh, that's a little harsh, but they're pretty knowledgeable. And then they have a great tradition the home team gets scored on and they go sing this rallying cry. And I don't know what they're saying. And I assume in their, it's, it's a bring their team up. And it, I'd love to see that tradition happen here. I don't know if it exists, but, um, but it was again, uh, words just don't do it justice when you're there. And, and so take a look at that and put it on your bucket list of, you got to go. If you can see, uh, that Rosario, um, Darby is just off the chart. You've inspired me, Terry. <laughs> hey, I'm on. All to get you to go. One of the one of the things I just wrote down on my on my little note sheet that I have right here next to me is like, all right, make make an edit and cut this little portion out because Terry talks passionately about this experience. So like that alone, that little three minute little story that's that's a, a great little clip. <laughs> oh, I got another one. You got time for one more? Yeah, so of I'll course. Estudiantes de la Plata. Um, it's a Copa game there, and. Uh, not being as steeped in the history of the game as I should be, but Juan Verón is playing, 42-year-old president of the club, right? So he's uh, he makes some deal. He, he signs a, this contract to play for Estudiantes um, in the Copa Libertadores um, only because he challenged uh, the fan base to buy a certain number of boxes, or, and they, they did it. So he said, if you buy, I'll play. And, you know, he was... a great player back in his era but at 42 
he's out there. And this is first division Argentina football. And you see him um, running like a 42-year-old amidst, you know, 20-year-olds. However, you can tell he one-touches almost everything beautifully, perfect weight, to the right person, no hesitation, like he's five steps ahead of the rest of the, the field. And, uh, you know, he plays the almost all the game. It gets subbed out. They, they end up losing the game. But fans standing oh for you know two minutes and just to watch that talent it was a unique thing i don't it just doesn't happen everywhere but it was it was great and just to see the um a master at his craft just work and even at age 42 was it was obvious on the field and it's just happened to be at the right spot at the right time my my (laughs) good luck um so that that was another you know great piece of you know just story life i'm living on this on his journey that's just beautiful that's an amazing story I never, i've never heard that before i don't follow south american soccer as closely as i probably should though i'm sure that was hey, big news be down careful. there you might you might turn the epl off oh i know <laughs> i know i should <laughs> uh all right man well uh i appreciate you uh making some time for us and and i think uh i think people are going to be interested in hearing this story and even if they don't if if nobody kind of catches on to it today i think that you guys are going to make make a pretty big splash here in the future and i think people will definitely um will definitely recognize your guys's name in the in the coming years because you're doing some awesome stuff uh, that'd be more than i deserve but welcome <laughs> hey you gotta you gotta let me know if you're gonna do your anthony bourdain does soccer uh, i know i know i've pitched that idea i don't know how many times i gotta i gotta actually pull the trigger on that one that so i'm the- giving you some must do's you, you this these uh these things that i saw would be great for that and and it'd be a way to get video back to the u.s um you know you could do that hey go to estudiantes and and watch that guy play at 42 you can go to albanderaza and bring that home to the people and i mean it I've got like 28 followers on Twitter. You guys have thousands. So <laughs> it would be fun. Yeah. It's that, that was actually one of the first ideas I pitched to Gary before I was, I think even before the membership had happened. Cause so I was just like a, I, I was just a follower. And so I remember I sent him an email like, Hey man, like, what do you think about this idea? And looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I pitched that idea to you. Um, and then that was one of the great. first times that was one of the first times I talked to, like a soccer celebrity, I guess you could say, but I, I pitched it to to the ESPN crew and I actually had a phone call with, uh, who was it? I think it was Taylor Twelman, actually. I think I was on the phone with Taylor Twelman and I kind of pitched the idea to him. And then I went back and forth with a couple emails with him and I want to say his brother for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like his brother was like the like the mediator. It was, I mean, it was a short, short-lived little uh, stint of, of um, the project kind of having life, but... But, I'm gonna make you do that. Yeah, but I, he but I but like he it. basically he basically told me Taylor's like just do it, man, just go for it. It's like all right, but yeah, we'll see. I gotta hey, maybe <laughs> I can get you on a little easy ramp on budget if you come to South America. We'll try and overlap some events and try and minimize your expenses and get you rolling. That would be. I amazing. even have a cam- I got a cameraman down there too for you. That would be amazing. Yeah, we got to talk yeah. more about that. Nobody steal my idea. Anybody that's listening, actually, I didn't even say no, the idea, so nobody knows what we're talking about. Perfect. It's copyrighted, <laughs> patented. Right. Okay. Yeah, um, okay, you can edit man. that out. Well, uh, any any last notes for anybody or um, things uh, you want to get off your chest? No, I'm just waiting for uh, 
you know, Gary to be head of U.S. soccer someday and Brian be the U.S. national coach. Of course. Of course. I saw that yeah. in your notes too and I was like, uh, yeah, he, he wouldn't mind if I posted that. <laughs> okay. uh, I think U.S. soccer, hmm, Brian someday. I love that idea. It would be amazing, man. That's the goal, I think. Yeah. I, don't know. I think that's the goal. Okay, John. Well, I enjoyed this and uh, always enjoy your company and uh, thank you. I enjoyed this. Um, Looking forward to meeting you somewhere in person. Uh, maybe coaches convention again. It's in Philly this year. I don't know if you're going, but we'll be there. And uh, otherwise, I'll, I'm on your Twitter, like white on rice. Once again, thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. Thank you for Terry for coming on and sharing his story. And good luck to him and John Kerr and the rest of their crew at Accelerator School. And if you're looking for more information about the Accelerator School and how to get in touch with guys like Terry and John, you can find some links to more of their work in the show notes that are available on 343coaching.com. You can also find out all kinds of other information on the website, including information about our third and our final coaching summit. And you can also sign up for one of our coaching courses. You can read some articles. There's some more videos and and more podcasts and all kinds of stuff on the website. If you'd like to check that out, please do. And as always, we thank you for listening and we hope that you continue listening to more episodes in the future. And with that, we will say goodbye. (laughs) 